The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. John Thornton, Jordan Taylor. We're thrilled to be joined today by our very special guest, Mr. Luke Brown, the operations manager of our Forever Jackson Market. Luke, it's great to have you back, my friend. It's great to be back. Is this time number three? Yeah. Thanks so. Thanks so. This will probably be it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's great to be back, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, for the audience, if you hear any noises going on in the background of my feed, just want to uh, alert everyone. I don't know if you guys hear it or not. I hear it pretty plainly right now. Um, we're having renovations done on our building, so uh, we've actually got a lot going on right now. So if you hear disturbances, um, mm. that's what you hear. So just uh, we, we actually don't, John. We don't. I'm surprised. So. That's yeah. good. That's a good thing. But just uh, for oh, warning up front. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at John underscore MT18. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can tweet at the Froggy Handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. We've got a lot to get to today. Football is really the name of the game. Again, we've got some basketball to get into, but obviously with football in the playoffs and basketball kind of hitting its stride around the area, definitely got to need to get into some of that. So let's start, as we always do, with the Local high school basketball scene with our local headlines from the week. The updated records for the weekly in Obion County school basketball teams. Union City girls sitting at 6-13. and 13. The boys 5-14. and 14. Westview's girls at an incredible 18-0. and 0. The boys at 4-14. Four and 14. Dresden's girls 14-5. and 5. The boys 4-10. and 10. Obion County girls 8-10. and 10. The boys 16-2. and 2. We'll get more on them here in a moment. South Fulton's girls at 11-5. and 5. The boys are 4-9. and 9. Gleason's girls 11 and 7, the boys are 1 and 17. Greenfield's girls 8 and 10, the boys 9 and 8. Now, I have to say, I want to give a shout out on the Greenfield girls' side. Emma Grace offered for Greenfield 47 points in a win over South Fulton on Friday night. Um, quite, quite an incredible performance there. Jordan, any thoughts on some of those? Yeah, it's a pretty strong uh, performance by her, obviously. And, you know, I know we, we kind of we harp on it for Union City each time we talk about them, but. Um, you know, a lot of these games, at least on the on the boys' side, which I know you'll get to in a minute, um, they're in they're in these games late. They just can't finish. Uh, they, they get down the stretch of the game. It's maybe a four or five point game, and they just can't find ways to finish. But they finally did get one um, the other night. It was a good win for them. So uh, we'll see what they can do tonight against South Gibson. Obviously, not district game tonight, but a huge win for Union City. I think Mike Cutchins told us what six, seven games they've lost this season by single digits. I mean, it's just been brutal. Yeah at times this year. In the new state AP polls, which came out today in girls single A, McKenzie number four, Dresden number six, Westview girls leading the 2A poll at number one, Gibson County number four, Huntington number five after the Lady Pioneers upset the Phillies last week. Girls 3A, Jackson Southside number one, Dyer County number eight, Crockett Falls to number 10. Jordan, anything stick out from that group there? I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think it's. It, it says a lot about the girls' region that uh, or district that Union City's in. When you got three teams that are ranked in the state: Westview, Gibson County, and Huntington, um, all really good teams, and it just speaks volumes to how how tough the competition is in that district. 
No doubt about that. On the boys' side, Middleton number one in single A, McKenzie number eight, the Milan boys still number four in 2A, and then in 3A, four West Tennessee teams in the 3A state poll, Crockett County at number two, Haywood at number three, O'Brien County at number eight, and Fayette Ware at number nine. So pretty loaded field in AAA boys basketball. Yeah, I think Crockett's got to be the surprise of, of the year. I mean, number two in boys basketball in the state. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a shock there coming out of Crockett County, especially being ranked ahead of Haywood, who is always a really good team uh, in basketball as well. So we'll see how the Cavaliers uh, do down the stretch of the season. Let's move into some offseason Tennessee football headlines as backup quarterback Taven Jackson entered the transfer portal and didn't take too long, ended up at Indiana, which is actually where he's from. So Tennessee going into the spring with only Joe Milton and Nico Ayaleva. I still don't know how you say his last name. But mm. they did finish number six in the final AP poll, the highest mark since 2001. You know, Ted, Jordan and I were kind of talking about this on, uh, I don't know what day this happened last week off the top of my head. But now, the only two quarterbacks entering the spring and the window closing tomorrow for this transfer portal. But you might think in May, Tennessee ends up with another quarterback or maybe goes for another quarterback recruit out of high school tab oh yeah definitely um that's the that's it's when you're looking at the transfer portal and how it's basically just college free agency uh and what it's become it, when you go ahead and hand off a starting job to a quarterback and then you bring in a five-star recruit for spring practices if you're if you're looking at the depth chart these guys there's some of these guys that are like i'll just go elsewhere so it really it really thins out the herd um and in the Tennessee backfield with the uh, play callers, uh, but you think they've got it? They've got to recruit some, you know, four-star, five-star guys to to sign uh, after spring. Jordan, yeah, I hate it really because Taven's a guy that uh, would have been good for competition. He's a former four-star quarterback, came in and he's a talented guy. The little bit we got to see of him in the spring game, and also he played, of course, uh, had had a touchdown this year as well. Uh, and kind of a obviously mop up duty, but I mean, I think he could be a, I think he'd be a good quarterback. I, I really wanted him to hang around, but I also understand that in today's time, like that, like Luke just spoke about, um, you know, it's it's part of it's part of football now. If if you if you know you're not going to start, uh, you know, with the way it goes, you can go, you know, get a job somewhere, a starting job somewhere else. I do think he will be good. And uh, going back to his, his home hometown team, or you know, obviously home state, and I believe his brother's on that team as well. So I mean, maybe an opportunity to get to play with him um, there as well. But it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that quarterback room, you know, shapes up. Especially having two scholarship guys going into the spring, you still got other quarterbacks on the roster. But w- what do they do? I mean, I know if I'm, you know, most most quarterbacks in the portal are looking to go somewhere. They're in the portal for a reason. That's to go play. And yep. knowing that Tennessee's got two guys. Uh, when you look at the when you're in the portal and you're thinking about going to Tennessee, you know you're at least two or three, probably three, based to, you know based upon the fact of who they got in front of you. So, I think it's going to be hard to get a guy. Maybe it's a guy that understands that he wants to get into coaching one day and he just wants to learn Heupel's offense and and all that good stuff um, and knows he's not going to play much. But it's going to be interesting to see who they try to go get or who chooses to come there, knowing uh, who's in front of them. Well, and I think that was the inevitability. You know, Jordan, you and I talked about this. I think everyone knew Taven Jackson was probably going to hit the portal at some point. It was just kind of a matter of when. We all kind of hoped he would at least make it through the spring to give some competition. But uh, like you said, uh, you can't blame him. Goes back to his home state, and now he'll kind of get a chance to make an impact at Indiana early on. 
We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because we were more focused on the game itself with the Jaguars, but the Titans didn't make a ton of staff changes after the conclusion of the regular season last week. Offensive coordinator Todd Downing, offensive line coach Keith Carter, defensive back coach Anthony Midget, and skills coach Eric Frazier all handed the pink slip and sent packing. So, uh, Jordan, what what are some of the whole – and how, how is Coach Vrabel and how is the, the Tennessee front office going to try and fill some of these holes they now have on the staff? I mean, I, I think that they got rid of – as far as the struggles we, ha- we had and the positions we had struggles in – I think they got rid of the right people. I mean, if you look at if you look at our offensive line, it was atrocious. It was awful all season long, um, which there was a lot of injuries there, but still uh, they were really bad. If you look at our DBs, I mean, the Titans DBs have been bad for a long time. In fact, being a Tennessee football fan, whether it's the Vols or the Titans, I've been used to the DBs being bad for a, a very long time. Um, and then you look at, obviously, the play caller and Todd Downing and how inconsistent he was. There was times uh, when he had a few beverages that he was on his game. <laughs> times that he was just uh, – he was out in left field. <laughs> you didn't know what you were really going to get. In fact, I think Luke and I had this conversation. It was run, run, pass with the Titans this year. I mean, that's literally all it was, is over and over and over. Um, so it was very predictable. If we can sit here on a podcast, you know, the, and, and, and predict his offense, I think that a NFL defense coordinator can as well. So it was, um, it was definitely um, brutal. And as far as filling the holes, I mean, I think Vrabel's got a lot of pull, as we know. I mean, they got rid of the GM. They've gotten rid of coaches around him. Uh, but I don't think Mike, Mike Vrabel's going anywhere. And I think a lot of that's because the owner loves him. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. And I, I think he'll be able to. Uh, I think. It, I think they'll be able to target some some decent coaches out there, but they're going to have to go get some pieces offensively as well. Well, and I had a conversation with our friend Timothy Dye about this yesterday, and what will be interesting to see is obviously you've got five off or you've got five head coaching off you know openings right now. We're going to get to that in the next segment. There are so many names who keep getting thrown out, but Luke, what'll be interesting if some of these offensive guys get passed over for head coaching jobs, do they make a move for places? Now the Chargers just fired their offensive coordinator this morning. New England's looking. Tennessee's looking. Got a lot of offensive coordinator openings, and it'll be interesting to see how the deck reshuffles. I got one suggestion for anybody looking for an offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien. Yes, I know. You want to get rid of him, huh? It it never fails. Like, you know, the entire fan base is looking to get rid of Bill O'Brien as the Alabama OC. But it's it, it's always funny when he when Nick Saban sees coaches starting to kind of lose their their edge, for lack of a better word, they magically get job offers. He doesn't fire anybody. No, he's he jobs elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of OCs opening. I mean, and and to be and and Bill O'Brien has done a great job with with uh, bringing Bryce Bryce Young along uh, as a quarterback. So I mean, he's got some he's he's got some good stuff going on. He's just not. I don't think he's a college OC right now, but if he's wanting to get back in the NFL game, this would be a perfect, perfect opportunity to do it. There's plenty of OC jobs out there. No question about that. We've got that kind of jotted down later on that Bill O'Brien actually being talked about for the Patriots OC opening. So from one legend to the other and back again, because he's been with New England before. So we'll see if that is what happens. And well, let me ask you this, Tad. I I didn't even think about this angle with that. Was he the coach when was he the OC when Mac Jones was there? Uh, 
No, I think that was Sark. Uh, okay. I think that was, uh, Sark's last year was Max last year. So okay. Bill O'Brien's been with two or with been with Bryce, you know, for the last couple of years. So, yeah, we'll see. Gotcha. In local basketball, as far as at the state and national level, the Grizzlies now tying the Nuggets for the number one seed in the West as John Morant continues to leave a trail of highlights wherever he goes. Tennessee basketball amid uh, one of several top 25 teams who had disappointing losses on Saturday. This one hurt to a mediocre Kentucky team on Chris Lofton Jersey Day, so that was painful to, to watch. Uh, UT Martin basketball, the men four in, or, uh, sitting fourth in the OVC with a 3-3 three and three record, 11-8 and eight overall. UT Martin women fourth as well, 3-3. Three and three. They are 7-10 overall. Came back on the road on Saturday with just six available players in a win over Southern Indiana. But, you know, Jordan, if there's one thing we never doubt with Kevin McMillan, the man can coach no matter how many bodies he does have healthy. Exactly. And it seems like UT Martin's women are always playing right or playing good at the right time, and that's towards the end of the year. And, um, you know, I've, I've actually kept up with him a little bit this year and listened to some of his press conferences, and he says that, you know, they're they're obviously uh, they're small. They're, they don't really match up well with everybody. They have a couple inside players, but – um, he thinks that they're going to continue to grow. And, of course, like you just said, I mean, I, we look up in March. I'm sure they'll be playing their best basketball. We'll take another quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into segment two and national headlines, a lot of football and a lot of NFL news to get to. More to Owen on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't drink. It, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex as we move into headlines at the national level. We're going to start splitting the local and the national apart and give each their own time. First and foremost, we'll start with the NFL. And we talked about it last week, five head coaching searches going on. And I'm not going to read off all of these names. You guys have the document in front of you. The list for everybody except for maybe Arizona is quite extensive with who they have requested interview, who they have interviewed. And, you know, I told Jordan yesterday, Luke, it just kind of seems like right now nobody knows who they want. So the question I have for the room, who makes a hire first? First? I mean, I, I don't know who makes a hire first. I mean, I, I think if you look at the teams that have openings, um, you know, I think – I mean, I, I really think a lot of this is whether or not these coaches want to talk to them, you know, and, and whether or not they even want to consider because, I mean, you look at some of these some of these teams and, I mean, do you really want to – you really want to tackle this? I mean, you're looking at some some legit rebuilds in, in some of these situations. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get into a, a guy that's wanting to make his name in the NFL, and and this would be his way to do it. Yeah. Well, and here here's the other interesting thing to think about here, and I think this is adding to the the allure of this whole thing. You know, we talked about Jim Harbaugh, and Jim Harbaugh announced I think yesterday or this morning that he is returning to Michigan, so he's removed his name from consideration. Sean Payton's still out there. It seems like he's flirted with everybody, but. Over the last several years, you know, we've seen this continuing, I guess you would say, carousel of hiring 
young, hotshot offensive and defensive coordinators. And so the well kind of is drying up. And, and, I mean, you're seeing a lot of names you've seen before, before here. Raheem Morris's name's getting thrown out there. Frank Reich's name's out there. Steve Wilkes, who's been a coach before. Brian Flores is on there. Dan Quinn's on here. Uh, and, obviously, a lot of names you haven't seen before. But, I, you know, I asked last week, Luke, out of these jobs, which one would, would you want if you're one of these coaches? Um, it would be between Denver and Indy. Um, Arizona seems uh, you got to deal with Kyler Murray's contract and his lack of uh, performance, and and so that one's kind of hard to get through. It's 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 it, 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 it for me it goes back to the Jeff Fisher versus Vince Young type thing. Do you want to go into a situation where your quarterback is signed for years and he's not proven that he's worth those years? <laughs> and that he's going to be around for those years. Um, but Indy, man, you look at Indy and Denver, the just the the history there, those look like the the more attractive jobs. Um just just on the just on the surface. Carolina, that's gonna be like, like it's a it's a complete rebuild. Houston has been up and down, but Denver, Denver maybe just, just work for uh work for uh, oh, uh John Elway up there. Well Thanks. you go ahead. Go. I was gonna say Tell you something to keep in mind is seven of the eight teams left have an offensive-minded head coach, and that that yeah. eighth team, that eighth team is Josh Allen's team. So he obviously has a really good quarterback. Um, but if you look at if you look at that, I think that's the, kind of the future. I think that's where we're headed is offense, 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 offense. I mean, the last few years that's kind of what the NFL's been preaching. We've seen a lot of points, and they want to see a lot of points. So um, I, if you look at it that way, I think you may be looking at some offensive hires. Well, that's a, that's a good a good point. To beat the other team, you just have to outscore them. That's it. That's all you have yeah. to do. That's it. <laughs> hard. But I still I still think, you know, you, you got like Dan Quinn, for instance. He didn't get it done as a head coach, but I think he's done a pretty good job with, with the Cowboys, which he has a lot of talent. But uh, I think he's done a pretty good job there as a defense coordinator. Well, and Ted, I wanted – or Luke, I want to follow your streamline of thought there. You bring up the Kyler Murray situation. Arizona, very eventful couple of uh, a week of headlines. One report came out says the Cardinals created quote created a monster after paying Kyler Murray his bag last offseason. This is a quote from a report. Once paid, the veteran said Murray felt less compulsion to study his game plan or to fulfill the expectations of the franchise quarterback position that he had in the past, and the Cardinals' collapse felt predictable. And as a result of that collapse. Cliff Kingsbury lost his job, and he's apparently not interested in coaching uh, for the foreseeable future because he bought himself a one-way ticket to Thailand and said, deuces, everybody, I'm out. He bought more than, he bought more than one-way ticket. I don't know if y'all saw that. <laughs> if you're if you're going to get paid for the next five years by a team that's they're paying you not to work, do what you want to for the next five years. Don't deal with the stress. He, you know, when when ownerships gives that deal to your quarterback and then he doesn't perform and you lose your job. Like I wouldn't take that stress for the next five years. Yeah. I'll take some time off. Um, but it, it, the, the problem with given like, with the, the Kyler Murray situation is the problem you see in major league baseball all the time where guys have this phenomenal year in their contract year. And then they sign this 10 year deal and then they go out and underperform for the next nine. And then that tenth year of that contract, they're gonna be like, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta pay for another contract." So that that's what you saw with Kyler Murray. He gets this massive deal. He underperforms. Coach loses his job. He still got his money. 
Well, and it looks like he is set to lose his top target in the offseason as well as the Cardinals, it leaked, are looking to trade DeAndre Hopkins, who will turn 31 in June. He has a no-trade clause, which means he pretty much is going to get to pick where he goes. He's going to be a $20 million cap hit in 2023, 15 in 2024. The Vegas odds right now, plus 300 on the Packers, plus 350 on the Patriots, plus 400 on the Cowboys, plus 500 for the Browns, plus 700 for the Ravens. Those are the five favorites currently, according to Vegas. So, gentlemen, what uniform is DeAndre Hopkins wearing this fall? It depends on what uniform Tom Brady is wearing. Oh, because Tom if- Brady wearing a uniform. It, it, because because I, I think Tom's got at least one or two more years in him, and if I'm a top receiver, I'm going, I'm going with him. If I got my choice, I'll go where Tom's going. Jordan, I don't know. I mean, I, I, D Hop, like you said, he's got his, he's got he can go wherever he wants to go. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be as a Titans fan, I'm expecting the absolute worst. I'm expecting the Colts to move up the draft. I told you this. I, I expect the Colts to move up the draft board and take an elite quarterback. I expect the uh, Jaguars to somehow sign DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, who am I forgetting? The Texans. Texans. I, I expect them to uh, to definitely take care of business and free agency as well, and I expect the Titans to sit back and and uh, just chill because that's kind of what we do. So that, that's kind of what I'm expecting. Um, no, I mean in all seriousness, I could see him with somebody like the Cowboys. I could see him. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer, so I don't see that. Um, out of this list, I'd say the most likely, in my opinion, would probably be the Cowboys. Well. And this is the thing, Luke, I told Jordan is, you know, the Cardinals sitting there at the number three pick. I mean, if you talk about packaging that number three pick with Hopkins to trade it, I mean, you're talking about a lot of assets that you can get back. You need, Yeah, you need something cool. to carry it. You need something to carry all that back because that would be a lot. The, that, that's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's what are people willing to give up to get that one pick in, in, in Hopkins? And Hopkins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are they willing to give up? Do we believe in Hopkins over the next few years? I mean, he's kind of been banged up lately. Yes, indeed. Uh, in the Raven, well, cool story. I want to mention this before we uh, we move on. Demar Hamlin did visit the Bills facility before the Dolphins game this weekend, so good to see that he is up and about. Um, apparently, still on oxygen, still being closely monitored, but at least he is alive and not yeah. in a hospital bed. So uh, continued prayers for him and positive update there, updates there. The Ravens are expected to franchise tag Lamar Jackson and work towards a long-term deal despite him not uh, finishing out the season due to an injury. And, a spe- and in the Ravens camp staying there, Roquan Smith gets a bag after getting traded from the Bears at the deadline, a five-year, $100 million extension, which will make him the highest-paid inside linebacker in NFL history. So thoughts on the Ravens' moves there? I guess Lamar's the future. I mean, I, I don't really know where else you would go. Um, that's kind of – that's just the Ravens offensively, that type of quarterback. Not that Lamar's not a good quarterback, but um, I think you, know, you look at his backup, he's the exact same. We just watched him play. Obviously, he's not as good, but he has the same style of play. So, um, not surprised to see the Ravens try to try to get that done. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it falls through because it's just been such a dumpster fire between them and Lamar lately. I think, it's a, I think it's a good idea, though. You know, when you're looking, again, when you're looking at signing a guy long-term, you want to make sure that he is going to be viable for the future. You finish a season injured, you know, don't expect a big price tag the next year because you've got to prove that you can come off of that injury. I think the franchise tag is great. It shows that, hey, listen, we're going to give it to you. We're going to do the franchise tag now. Once, once that franchise tag, 
franchise tag is put on him, it can't be put on him again. So it's not going to happen again. So at least this way, you know, let's we'll franchise you now. We'll pay you later. But in the meantime, we can get you some support to help you out in, uh, uh, over the next year. In more coaching news, Sean McVay, after reportedly thinking about whether he would return to coaching with the Rams in 2023, is going to come back in 2023. But is Aaron Donald coming back? He changed his bio to former Rams defensive lineman, then got caught on Twitter and changed it back to Rams defensive lineman. So no really announcement yet. But, uh, you know, Jordan and I kind of texted about this. It's kind of been wishy-washy year by year with him for the past couple of years because, I mean, you know, he's won DPOY several times. He's a Super Bowl champion now. I mean, as And his resume is pretty much set. I mean, he, he will go down as one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history. And, and I mean, not, not much else he's going to be able to do to add to that legacy. Tom Brady trying to add to his legacy, apparently, because he's expected to have a busy free agent market in the offseason with the Raiders, the 49ers, and the Titans among several teams with interest. So is he going back to the Bucs? Does he retire? I mean, obviously, we'll get to the game more in a minute from uh, last night, but was last night it for Tom Brady, or is he wearing a different uniform next year? No, he's definitely in a different uniform. Uh, we saw last year when he when he he tried to retire, and he just you can't he can't hang it up. And then he, yes, he had a mediocre year this year, but he was still good. I mean, it wasn't like he was lacking in his it's not his performance had suffered any. Um, just the distractions early on in the season with the divorce and everything. I think he's got you know, like you said, one two more years left in him. How Jordan? How nice would this be? He ends up in Tennessee. Hopkins comes to Tennessee. Like, no shot. How? But how awesome would that be? It, I don't know. I don't know if I can pull for him. Troy Aikman said it. Troy Aikman said it best last night as they were closing up their broadcast. He said that most quarterbacks at around twenty-eight to thirty need a lot of help to to get through because they're getting to the end of their career. He said Tom Brady just now hitting that at forty-five. He's starting to get. He needs to go somewhere where there's help. And I think the place that there's help is Las Vegas. I think he goes to Las Vegas. Because you got Darren Waller, you got Josh. First of all, can Josh Jacobs catch out of the backfield? I think he can because Tom oh, Brady yeah. needs a running back that can. So you're going to have Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, who's a, a mini West Welker, I guess. And then yes. also you got Devontae Adams. I mean, so I, I think he's a Raider. I think he goes to Las Vegas. That's been that's been the rumor for so long is that he goes to Las Vegas next. But you, what you got to also look at is as a franchise to sign Tom Brady, he is a bridge to get to your franchise guy. He's the guy that you bridge a couple of years and then you make a good draft pick to get your to get your guy. I wouldn't rule out San Francisco because that's the boyhood favorite team of his. And he's from out that way. They have a young quarterback. He can kind of be the bridge gap to Trey Lance if they want it. Let Trey Lance get healthy. They've got weapons. You've got a running back who loves to catch it out of the backfield and Christian McCaffrey. You've got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings are solid weapons as well. He's got a great tight end in George Kittle. I don't, think Trey Lance, I don't think Trey Lance will ever play meaningful minutes for San Francisco now. Then if they get, then they can sign Tom Brady, get rid of Trey Lance, and then they can bring the next yeah. guy in. Well, I think he's yeah. got Purdy there too. I yeah. think it's Brady and Purdy. I think Purdy's earned himself a starting position. I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Will be interesting to find out. Should be another intriguing offseason. In the NBA, the Warriors-Spurs game set a new NBA attendance record at the Alamo Dome. 
with 68,223 fans in attendance. Jonathan Isaac is returning to the floor for the Magic in the G League. He has not played since he really tore up his knee in the NBA bubble in 2020. And then Draymond Green says the writing is on the wall for the Warriors to not re-sign or keep him. They have to pay these young guys. It's a business. So is Draymond Green heading for the exit in Golden State? I mean, he, he pretty much said it. I mean, right, I was kind of surprised. And a lot of people were commenting saying he's always been a blunt guy and he's always spoken his mind, and he has. I mean, he's kind of an outspoken guy. Um, but I do think that some of those pieces from some of those key Warriors championship teams will start um, start leaving the Warriors because they got a lot of young guys. I'm not well, saying Steph for Clay, but I'm talking about all the other guys. Well, <laughs> let me bring this up too, Luke, and let's add this other layer to this. Do you really want the guy who is on camera punching – one of your players, the player that you just gave a bag in the offseason in Jordan Poole, yeah. do you want that guy on your team and in your locker room? In a word, cancer. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you guys get when you guys got we got guys like that in the in the uh, locker room in the clubhouse, they're just a cancer, and it's it's just yeah. gonna it's time to find the door. It is indeed. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll recap what was a really fun NFL wildcard weekend. More coming up right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Jerry Wood Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws. Sign-ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 taco. Wednesday, Wing Wednesday with 50 Cent Wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment three on the Tri-State Sports Program on RadioNWTN.com presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Well, super wildcard weekend as they call it now is in the books, and so we have narrowed our NFL field from 14 down to, what, eight now? We're down to eight. Is that right? Am I doing my math right? Yeah, because you had two that had yeah, the bye week. Sure, yeah. sure. I'm not a yeah. math guy. I, yeah, I, 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 anyway, let's start with the AFC side of the, the bracket here. Saturday night, and I don't think Al Michaels has any energy left to uh, expel on this game uh, because he, I guess, needed to sit on a, a nail to, to get him to – get excited because the Jaguars mounted the third largest postseason comeback ever to eliminate the Chargers 31 to 30 in, in a Saturday night thriller. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, it's hard to have a bad of a, as bad of a first half as Trevor Lawrence had in the first half, four picks, three of them to the same guy in Asante Samuel jr. And then he comes back in the second half. They're down 27 to 7, 27 to nothing at one point. Four touchdown passes from the end of the second quarter on for Trevor Lawrence. And somehow the Jaguars outscored or hold the Chargers to just three points. They miss a field goal, and Herbert missed a wide open Keenan Allen in the end zone. And Trevor Lawrence leads an unbelievable rally in year two with Jacksonville. And, and, I mean, we saw the Chargers are going to make some changes firing their OC this morning, but I just don't understand how a team with as, talent, as much talent as they have, not, not just offensively, but both sides of the ball, collapses like this and, and underperforms in the way they have. Yeah, I think they might have fired the wrong guy. I think their head coach needs to go too. <laughs> you know, there were some boneheaded decisions, and I'm not sure that 
I think he's been holding them back all season long. I really do. I believe that. When Luke? you when you uh, um complacency sets in when you go up twenty seven nothing, you get a little. You're you're looking more like okay, do, how are we going to manage the clock? You start to slow the tempo down. You don't necessarily keep the foot on the gas. And complacency sets in, and a team that's behind by 27 is like, hey, if we can put a couple of plays together, we're back in this ballgame. I think that's partly to blame. Number two, if anybody wants to argue that the NFL is scripted, this is your optimal point. I mean, this weekend, this weekend is your you're, – you're saying, hey, that's your that's – your, uh, that's your talking point right there because if anything, it's a little, it's a little, how many come from behind games do we have? Oh my goodness. So, but yeah, give it to Trevor Lawrence, but I, look, I'll say it. And I had someone text me and, and, and said this screamed of Andrew Luck arsonage. And I, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I watched it unfold, it was eerily similar to watching mm-hmm. Andrew Luck bring the Colts back from 38 to 10 down in the 2014 wild card against the chiefs. I mean, it was eerie. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is the second coming of Andrew Luck, but I mean, I, I am saying that I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going anywhere. I think we're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence being a really good NFL quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years at, at minimum. Um, yeah, if, he, if he can he's stay gonna healthy. Be, he's he's going to be, he's going to be functional. I don't think he's going to be the stellar quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be, but he's going to be, he's going to be good. Yeah. We'll see. Let's move on to the other AFC wildcard games, which everyone kind of had penciled in winners, but both favorites in these games nearly coming out on the wrong end of it. We'll start with Buffalo on Sunday afternoon, who looked sloppy, 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 but they did hang on to win 34-31 over a very lackluster Miami team. They jumped out 17 to nothing, and just when you thought the route was on, Miami capitalizes on a couple of Allen interceptions, and three fumbles, one of them lost, and they even took a brief lead early in the second half, but they kept themselves in it. They capitalized on the mistakes, but at the end of the day, the Bills kind of got going in the third quarter, could not keep up with the Bills, had a fourth down stop late in the game as well. But, I mean, Miami nearly knocks off Buffalo with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. You know, with Tua, you know, it's not unreasonable to think they win this game. So, how nervous are we about Buffalo going forward from here? I think that there there should be some concern. I think you know one of the one reason you need to be concerned is I believe the stat was Josh Allen is responsible for thirty plus turnovers this year between fumbles and interceptions. That's not good. That's no. not good by the quarterback that you're looking to really build your franchise around for a long time. Um, so that's that's a concern for sure because I think he's taking a step back. Um, but, you know, before the playoffs started, I really felt like the two hottest teams in the AFC were the Bengals and the Chiefs um, and and obviously the Jags, but I just don't think the Jags have enough to, to compete with those two. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think the Bills are playing really good ball right now, and it's the wrong time to not be playing good football. And I, obviously you can uh, you can say, you know, there might be some reasons for that. Obviously what happened to their teammates, some other things. Uh, but they're still really good, and when they do turn it on, they can be really good. But I think it's a switch thing, Luke. I think they're either going to turn it on and play, or they just uh, they look like a, an awful football team that's pretty sloppy. Well, you're right. Josh Allen's turned the ball over a lot, but that is probably due to the fact of him trying to do too much. Hmm. You remember Brett Favre? They talked about him being the gunslinger, and he throw interceptions just with the best of them. But look what he did in his career. You yeah. know, maybe Josh Allen is just trying too much. He's he's trying to put the game on his shoulders too much. When he really could just 
you know, listen, be a game manager. It's okay to be a game manager. But we we look at uh, all these quarterbacks. We we talk bad about them when they're a game manager, and we only talk good about them when they're a playmaker. Well, it's okay to manage a game if you don't turn the ball over. So I I think that again, when you go back to the conspiracy theorist in me, when you go back and look at the <laughs> NFL scripted, this sets up this weekend for a really big playoff matchup. So I I I was pulling for I was pulling for the Dolphins, man. I really wanted that underdog to come through, but. You know, Bills Bills held on, and then they're moving on. Well, you speak about the other underdog, the Ravens, nearly pull it off against the Bengals, who are red hot. I mean, they've won, what, nine, ten in a row now, something like that. But Tyler Huntley trying to quarterback sneak over the top at the goal line. It gets punched out in Cincinnati. A 98-yard scoop and score ends up being the winner, which, I mean, I think it was like the longest in NFL history. But, I mean, even still – the Ravens drive down the field and had a Hail Mary nearly caught on the deflection on the final play to force OT, but poorly, poorly managing the last drive. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it even Tariko and Collinsworth are like, what are what is what is going on here? And on the other end, the Bengals only had 234 yards of offense. I, I mean, this is not a great Ravens team by any stretch, and they didn't have Lamar. And it took the defense making a big play to win this game. So how how concerned are we about Cincinnati going forward from here? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I was shocked that the line for this game was nine ten points. These teams have played. This is the third time these teams have played this year. I understand that that Baltimore's got a backup quarterback. These are division rivals. Baltimore's a scrappy team. It's the playoffs. They defend pretty well. They're gonna get after it. And I, I wasn't shocked at all that this game was honestly this close. And I don't take. I don't think that looking at this game makes me go, oh, my gosh, we need to be worried about the Bengals. I think it's more the fact that these teams are so familiar with each other that it was the writing was on the wall for it to be this type of game. I mean, kind of a slow pace. Baltimore Baltimore had a drive that was 10 minutes. I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know right there. I mean, they, they were trying to keep the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. So, again, I think it goes back to being in division, uh, division rivals and playing each other a lot, and that, it was kind of that type of game. I don't think there should be much concern for – for the Bengals. Well, by the same token, the Dolphins very familiar with the Bills. That probably helped them mm-hmm. in that game as well. It was probably a big help. But as Luke alluded to, it sets up for a very fun divisional round. And here, here's something interesting before we move on. Joe Burrow set a new franchise record for the Bengals for playoff wins by a quarterback with four. How, how is the previous record three? I mean, that is so bad. I mean, that, that just speaks to the ineptitude in the history of the Buffalo Bills franchise. But moving on, now you've got Jags Chiefs, 3.30 p.m. Saturday on NBC. The Bengals go to the Bills in Orchard Park, the game we didn't get on Monday Night Football, 2 p.m. on CBS. So who advances to the AFC Championship game, Luke? Who do you like? Bills. Bills? Because they're going to be riding on a motion that entire game and because it's in Buffalo, so – that's going to be it's going to be straight emotion that entire game, and I think they're going to ride it. It's going to be a close one. I'm going to say within three points. What about the other one, Chiefs? Of course, the Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, being a Chiefs fan, I'm going to say that. But of course, the Chiefs. Uh, it's because it comes. And now I, I saw something. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has never lost on Saturday ever. This is going to be the where do we come up with three stats? I know, right? 
whether it's high school, college. Yeah, he's never lost on Saturday. He's never yeah. lost on a Saturday. It's it's the most ridiculous stat. We keep stats for everything. It's the most ridiculous one I've ever heard. This will be the one that changes it all, and it's going to come down to experience in the postseason. And and let's face it, Patrick Mahomes has got experience. Indeed. Jordan? You ready for a mind blower? Sure. The Chiefs and the Bengals advance, but the Jaguars and the Chiefs is the better game. Hmm. Okay. I think the Bengals beat the Bills by seven to ten, and I think the Chiefs have to score late to beat the Jaguars. Hmm. Now, with that prediction in mind, so say we're sitting here a week from now, and, it, and it's Chiefs and, and Bengals. Do the Bengals pull it off again? No, not this year. Oh, you're saying Mahomes would do it? I think I think the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. It's okay. it's hard to do anything twice. You know, it's hard to win there. That's really that, well, there. you look at you look at um, you look at the 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 you know the games that we just played this weekend. How many times were it was the second third time that these teams have faced each other this season? It's hard to it's it's uh, they're closer games when you face these teams before. If you see you know Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game again. You're going to learn from your mistakes from the past. It, it, you know, repeat games are very difficult to win. Indeed, yep. Tad, I know you've got it, or Luke, I know you have to leave here at some point. So just jump when you got to go. But we'll <laughs> move on to the NFC playoffs, which are, or which uh, happened over the weekend as well. Let's go to the wild card. First wild card went first wild card game of the weekend. Seattle. They hung around for a half, led at halftime, and then San Francisco just absolutely. Blew the doors off of them in the second half as Luke had to take off. Thanks to him for joining us today. We, we yeah, do appreciate that. Um, he had a meeting he had to get off to. Seattle did lead 17-16, but then, you know, Jordan, watching this game, looking back, the play that kind of changed it. Seattle has a nice drive going about midway through the third. They're trying to answer San Fran's early touchdown. Nick Bosa forces that strip sack and just kind of seemed like from that point on it was a tsunami and San Francisco took over the game. Yeah, I mean, how good is San Francisco, San Francisco when they really get it going offensively? They're already really good defensively, but they, man, they got so many different weapons offensively, and you know, it was it's they're a really fun team to watch. And I think obviously they got to be, <clears throat> they got to be the favorite uh, in the NFC along with a lot of people going to say Philly because they're the ones saying you can't overlook them. Um, but I, just the way the 49ers are playing football right now is pretty incredible. Well, I think they are the most complete team. Yeah, I do too. You, when you look at the defense, obviously you've got guys on that side of the ball that are great, and then they've got weapons on offense, man. I mean, you've got arguably the best back in the league, and most complete back in the league in CMC. You've got a Swiss Army knife and Debo Samuel. Uh, and, and, I mean, I know Brock Purdy doesn't, you know, doesn't look the part, but uh, <laughs> I, I've got, you know, i got I got to buy or sell for you on him later. Um, well, look, here's the thing, John. When you got that good of a defense and that much around you offensively, you don't have to do crazy stuff. Yeah. You just got to play good football, and he's and he has. He hasn't done yeah. anything that's killed him, and there's been times. You know, what I'm interested to see is whenever they've done all they can um, to help him, and it comes down to a minute 30, a minute 40 left, and it's a tie game, and he's got to take the team down the field and win the game. That's when we're going to figure out, okay, is this guy for real or not? Like, well, we know he's got to throw the football. When he when we know he's got to throw it to go win and get him in field position, maybe for a field goal or even go score a touchdown late, I think that's going to tell us a lot more about him. But so far, they've been putting him in good positions to just take care of the ball and control the pace of the game. Well, we found out who is not that guy on uh, Sunday, and that is, of course, Mr. 
can't handle primetime, Kirk Cousins, who in year, what, 14 of being in the NFL, uh, you would think with the game on the line and it's fourth and eight, would realize you have to throw the ball past the sticks. Did he do that? No, he did not. He threw it five yards short of the sticks, down seven on a fourth and eight. Look, I'm not going to use this whole portion of the show to trash Kirk Cousins. He didn't play terribly, but uh, I'll tell you who who wowed me. Danny Dimes, man, what a day for him. 379 total yards, two touchdowns. He's the third quarterback in postseason history with 300 passing yards and 75 rushing yards in a game. It joined Lamar Jackson and Steve Young. He's the first of those three to win their playoff game, and they pull off the upset 31-24 to and end the banana boat cruise curse that had kind of been there since 2016. It's the first playoff win for the Giants since 2011, who, Jordan, if you look at their history, if they win a playoff game in recent history, they go all the way. All the I don't way, know that yeah. this team is going to go all the way, but that is the trend. Yeah, they're playing good ball. I mean, real quick, back to Kirk Cousins, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Kurt Warner, uh, who spoke here in West Tennessee re- recently at, at Free, but I actually watched a video of him breaking down that last play. It kind of made me – uh, look at it a little bit different in the moment. You don't really understand it. I mean, you want him to throw it past the sticks, but he was getting smoked at the same time. Uh, he was fixing to get killed. So it's either like throw it up and maybe not even get it out or get it out to somebody that you think you can get the ball to. Again, in that situation, don't throw it behind the sticks, but you can also argue that if he holds on to it another second, he doesn't get anything off. No, no, I mean, no pass at all. So, um, I don't, with that being said, I think they need to run some kind of route combination to where he has some people that are closer to the sticks. Everybody was five or 10 yards past the first down marker. So you got to give it an opportunity and you got to have a protection to, uh, to keep him protected. As far as the, the Giants go, I mean, obviously they're, they're one of the, uh, the teams in the NFL that people are watching because they're playing really good ball right now. And, and when Daniel Jones gets it going, uh, he can be really good. And I think it's, um, I think it's pretty impressive for a guy that people were already trying to write off, you know, at the beginning yep. when, he first, when he first started getting some starts in the NFL. Uh, but he's really turned it around recently and started playing some pretty good ball. Well, and how good of a coach is Brian Dabble, man? Yeah. I mean, look, look, I mean, they, they only brought in two free agents last year, and one of them is a backup quarterback. And yep. this dude basically took the same roster that has been dismal for the last several years and got them to the divisional round. Even if they lose on, on Saturday to Philly – he got them a playoff win in year one. I mean, that that dude can coach, and, and yep. I don't think there's any question about that uh, moving on. But then last night to wrap up Wild Card Weekend, which Jordan, I must say, brought a lot of warmth and joy to my heart to watch one Thomas Brady and his team get absolutely embarrassed on primetime Monday Night Football as Dak got cooking. And, man, when he got cooking, he looked really good doing it. Four touchdowns. 305 yards, he rushed for another score. Brett Maher had a night that he wishes he could totally forget. (laughs) Four PATs missed on the night. I mean, this scoreline could probably look a lot worse. I mean, you, I mean, what, 35 to 14? I mean, an equal, an an easy 25 or a 30, 20, what, 21 point win. But gosh, I mean, and watching the Manning cast was, I mean, Jordan, I know I sent you the clip. You were probably watching it, but. Watching Peyton react time after time to the missed extra points, it, it just his reactions I felt like encapsulated it all for all yeah, of us. The, the fourth one, I thought he was going to throw the football through the TV. I, mean, I he did. Was, <laughs> yes. he, he was he was really been out of shape about that. But you look at it, he made 
50 of 53 in the regular season, but he missed the very last one of the regular season. So if you miss the very last one and then you miss the first four in the, because he did finally hit one last night, you missed the first four in the game. That's five straight missed extra points. Yes. And I think they said four straight was already the NFL record. So if you go back to his last game in the regular season, he missed five in a row. Um, and that's, uh, that's very unlikely to happen uh, for an NFL kicker for sure. Yes. But uh, obviously, it didn't Dallas, matter. Good, good thing for him is it didn't matter in the outcome because if it, it would have mattered in the outcome, oh my goodness, boy, he would have been. It would have been well. Bad. And I'll tell you too, Jordan. You know the Cowboys were up, I think, twenty-four to nothing, and then Brady marched Tampa down the field in like three minutes. It was like a ninety-some odd yard drive, and I thought, oh no, oh yeah. no, don't let this be the beginning, Dallas. And then to Dallas's credit, they get the ball back. And they marched right back down the field and answered that score. And that kind of was, you know, that yep. took the kind of the wind out of their sails. Um, Want to say a quick thing, you know, prayers up to Russell Gage. That that injury toward the end of the game was pretty pretty scary. I mean, uh, just the way it went down, obviously, in a couple weeks removed from DeMar Hamlin and everything. Uh, so prayers up to him. But uh, to the game at hand, uh, I will say, you know, we had talked about it last week. Dallas had kind of been in this stupor. Jordan, and they kind of had not looked good, you know, even dating back to that Titans win. Mm-hmm. And last night looked like what they this team can be if it hits peak of powers. And now that kind of changes the outlook for them moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, I I I married into a family that likes the Cowboys, so I get to I get to sit back and and try to watch some Dallas Cowboys football with them down the stretch here. So obviously, I mean, I'm you know, I, I want them to do decent. I want them to be, you know, I don't know that I want them to win the whole thing, but I mean, it's been a while uh, for Cowboys fans to really have something to, to cheer about that's good. And uh, because they always just, they get to the playoffs and they just choke. So kind of hoping that they can uh, figure it out here. Uh, but Dak is really the X factor, man. He can either, when he's on, he's really, really good. Um, but when he's off, man, he's, he's bad off. And, uh, there was even a play there late that he tried to force something almost through an interception to keep Tampa in the game. So he's just got to he's got to be uh, he's got to be consistent down the stretch for Dallas to have a good chance to make a run. So the divisional round in the NFC now looks like this: is three of the four NFC East teams are in the final four of the NFC. The Giants are on the road at the Eagles, seven fifteen Saturday night on Fox. They've not won in Philly since twenty thirteen. The Eagles won both regular season meetings. However, questions about Jalen Hurts' health will kind of make this kind of an eyebrow raiser. Can the Giants kind of compete and give them some trouble? That's kind of where that one sits. And then you've got Cowboys at 49ers, 5-15 Sunday on Fox. And, Jordan, this one just has all the storylines. Obviously, a ton of history between these two teams in the playoffs. This will be the ninth meeting. Dallas leads that 5-3. to three. And then, of course, even most recently, you go back to last year. With the way last year ended, yep. Um, and, and obviously there's revenge out, and then Dallas is playing well. These are, I, I would say, after last night, the way Dallas played, and obviously how San Fran has played. I mean, these might be the two hottest teams in the NFC right now, and, and the winner of this game probably looking really good to make a run for the Super Bowl. So, uh, your thoughts on the divisional matchups? Yeah, I think those are going to be two really good games. Uh, I mean, if you look at the underdogs in the divisional matchups, you got the Cowboys, the Giants, the Bengals, and the Jaguars across the whole league. And, I mean, I think there's a case for each of those underdogs um, to pull an upset. I mean, and you should – honestly, at this point in the season, you should have a case for that because that's typically the best teams 
left are the ones that are playing the best. So, I um, mean, obviously in the AFC, you got the top four seeds left. So, I mean, that, that speaks a lot as well. So, I mean, I, I think these are going to be really good games. I'm excited uh, to really watch that Cowboys-Niners game, but I'm also excited to see what the Giants can do at Philly. I mean, I think that's an excellent opportunity for New York. Well, and, you I mean, I think back to the last week of the regular season, Jalen Hurts came back, but just didn't quite look like himself, and the Giants had nothing to play for. They roll out Davis Webb, and they competed. And yeah. I mean, they didn't play Saquon. They didn't play some of their top guys. You have to wonder, after the way they played on, on Sunday, does that give them kind of a chance? And so should be another fun weekend in the NFL playoffs, but we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some, NFL, we've got some college football headlines we're going to unpack. More in a moment on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't drink. It, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. And Jordan was kind of bringing up that he was ranking the most likely divisional round upset winners. Uh, Jordan, go ahead and say those again for the yeah. audio version of this, and I'll give you mine as well. Yeah, I think that – I think, you know, just looking at it, there's – I really think there's some good chances for an upset, at least one, maybe even two. But if I had to rank them, uh, I would say Cincinnati is my favorite because I really think Cincinnati can beat the Bills. I mean, I think we all know that they can. Um, I would probably put New York over Philly, the Giants over the Eagles second, then the Cowboys over the Niners and, and finishing with the Jags over the Chiefs. And it's kind of crazy that that's my order because I think the Jags-Chiefs game is going to be great. I think all four of these games have an opportunity for two – Two, maybe even three upsets. It's going to be some good games. I would say the Bengals would be the most likely, but then I think Dallas is number two because of the revenge and motivation from last year, having you know having played them and having a great chance to win that game and, and blowing that one in the end. Uh, then I would actually say the Jags. Um, I would say the Jags have a really good chance to beat the Chiefs. They're probably not as likely. Um, I'm not as sold on the Giants. I, I just – you know, a week off to get Jalen Hurts healthier, I think that's going to be really beneficial to them. That Eagles crowd is going to be high, really high and, and into it. Uh, I just don't know that they've, they've got a great chance. But we'll see. I, I mean, I do think, like you said, all of these games have an opportunity to be great. And uh, Just give me one-score games. Give me one-score games. That's all I want. At the end, yes, <laughs> I'm all in on that. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, if Luke gets back on here, we'll try to get his thoughts on this. But some coaching movement last week is coordinators moving around. We mentioned earlier in the show that Bill O'Brien perhaps returning to the NFL, but that hasn't officially happened yet. However, no, we do know that Nick Saban's going to have to replace his defensive coordinator because, as Luke alluded to, magically Pete Golding got an opportunity to go to Ole Miss. And I guess – Jordan, you know, now in this age of college football, the Ole Miss defensive coordinator job must just be better than the Alabama one. So Pete Golding is joining Lane Kiffin in Oxford, leaving a hole for Nick Saban to fill. Some names that have come out are Wisconsin's Jim Leonard, or former of Wisconsin, Jim Leonard, former Tennessee head coach in Georgia and Bama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt, and current Georgia defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann. So 
What do you, what do you make of this? We were both kind of surprised because while Bama's defenses haven't been up to Bama standards, they've still not been bad by any stretch. <laughs> I mean, so Pete Golding to Ole Miss, your thoughts? I was surprised until I, I read more into it. Um, I think that more than anything, he was looking for the opportunity to to get away and, and kind of do his own thing away from Saban. Um, also some talks that maybe Saban got into him a little bit more than he liked. Uh, he thought he was doing a pretty decent job. So, um, you know, he can go over to Kiffin and Kiffin will make jokes and, and tweet and they'll have a good old time. So I think maybe it's a little bit more relaxed over there in, in Oxford. But um, like you said, I mean, Bama still was good defensively. They weren't what we've seen from them in the past, but they're still a top, you know, five defense in, in the in college football easily. So um, kind of surprised that, that they, uh, I guess, that he just left. I mean, he did get a good, good contract, but I think some of that has to do with uh, Saban kind of wanting them gone as well. So, obviously, three names that we just mentioned there that are kind of been connected to this job, but any other names that we that might not be out there that, that we haven't thought of yet that might end up getting this job? I haven't really thought too much into it, honestly. I've been so uh, engulfed in this the NFL playoffs, I haven't really thought too much about it since it happened, but – um, I didn't know that, that Pruitt was even in the conversation until you just said it. So I, I think that, I mean, obviously he's coached for him before. So does he hire him back? I and mean, that's that's a question mark for sure. Well, and, you know, I just thought of this too. You know, we, we often joke that Nick Saban has the, uh, the coaching rehab facility in Tuscaloosa. And the way it ended for Jeremy Pruitt in Knoxville, would this not be par for the course? You bring back yep. a retread and rehab his career. Pruitt's one of my – if I had to rank the, the former Tennessee coaches that uh, I dislike top to bottom, he's not at the top of the list for coaches I dislike. I just think Pruitt should have started as a head coach at a smaller school. I mean, he he came to Tennessee and he was overwhelmed and he started fit, trying to say, oh, we gotta, we're got we going to start doing something to, to be elite because I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that if you give him another opportunity somewhere, not as a head coach, John, pump the brakes there, I'm not saying that. But if you if you give him another opportunity somewhere as a DC, I think he can be a good assistant coach. I just don't think he's ready to be a head coach at that level. And it takes, I mean, it takes a lot to be able to do yeah. that. And elsewhere around the superpowers of college football, Ohio State named former Buckeye wide receiver Brian Hartline their new offensive coordinator. He has been the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. So they're making a change. There is, I think their OC left to take the head coaching job at Tulsa, was what I read. And then Clemson. Now, this was the interesting one to me because, you know, Clemson's offense has been maligned for the last couple of years with DJ Uyangalele. Well, Dabo finally steps up and fires Brandon Streeter and has gone outside of the Clemson family to hire TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, giving him a bag of a million and a half per year. It's the brother of Lincoln Riley from USC. So, Jordan, what did you make of this hire? Is this a hire that can kind of revive a Clemson offense that, you know, when you look back to kind of Clemson in their prime, when you're talking Sammy Watkins being there, Mike Williams, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, that offense would score a ton of points and it would be flashy and kind of had lost that flavor the last several years. Do you think this kind of can revitalize it to that level? Now, John, we always say that, uh, when we grow up, we want to be a fired head football coach. Yes. Whether it's NFL or or whether it's uh, college. And we always say head coach. But in this situation, I want to be the fired Clemson offensive coordinator. 
because my goodness, they throw back at this guy. So I hope he can come in and do something. I mean, this is this is unreal money for an offensive coordinator in college football, especially uh, over the last few years. So I mean, I, I do think that he, I do think he's a, obviously a good play caller. I think he did good at TCU. So uh, coming into Clemson with obviously some talent and some guys that can go, we'll see how well he does. But um, I was surprised. I was shocked that that they they threw this much money at him. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of this is how much – which, you know, Dabo has a history of paying his coordinators well. Um, and I mean, obviously, that's probably one of the reasons Brent Venables was there for so long until he took the Oklahoma job. But, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you think it's going to be interesting because there's obviously not going to be a ton of competition. You're in the ACC. You're really only going to compete with Florida State next year. There's really not anybody else that kind of – jumps out at you. I mean, North Carolina is probably going to be good, but defensively, I don't think they'll be good enough to win the conference. And so um, an opportunity to kind of get Clemson back into the national conversation after a couple of uh, disappointing years back to back. Yeah, I was interested just because of what you just said. I looked at Brent Venables at Clemson. His last year, he made $2.5 million, which is a million, which is a million more than what Riley just got hired at. So, yes, he did pay him well as well. Um, which it, it wasn't always at 2.5, but it went up to that point when he got to his 10th season at Clemson. But I didn't realize he was there that long either. It went by fast. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you look at Clemson, are we are we at a point with Clemson now where we're just like, okay, you know, they, they peaked and they're going to start going backwards because they have our last couple of years? Or do we still think with their roster and, and Dabo and the way they've recruited, do we still think they can be – um, one of the best teams in college football because Dabo swears by the fact that he's not gonna he's not gonna build his team out of that transfer portal or NIL or any of that stuff. And if he does that, he's gonna get left behind, especially in college football today. Well, I think at least for for the foreseeable future, especially with the the, the CFP going to twelve, I mean they're gonna have a seat at the table every year. I mean they won't the have a chance this year. Yeah, I mean yeah. So so. Uh, moving on, and this is this was kind of interesting. I, I, I was reading into this and listening to a podcast talking about this. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey coming out and saying he opposes the early signing period, said, quote, we're crushing our coaches in December, which uh, it's a great point. And, and, you know, you hadn't really thought about it, but when you look at it, you look at the college football calendar, you know, the regular season ends right after Thanksgiving. Then if you're playing the conference championship, that's usually the first weekend in December. And then that national signing day is usually mid to late December, right in the middle of bowl season, right in the middle of the first transfer portal window. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're, you know, one of these top teams, you're getting ready for the college football playoff and, and the national championship and all that. That is a ton to juggle all at one time. And especially, you know, I'll tell you this, and I mentioned this to you, Jordan, a while back that, you know, some of the coaches, when I would talk to them getting ready for the All-Star game about whether some of these kids we, we talked about would get a chance at the next level, a lot of them told me they don't know yet because they're waiting to see what's going to happen with the transfer portal. And that's kind of one thing that's gotten lost in the whole portal conversation is the effect on actual high school recruiting yeah. and how a lot of guys are getting lost in the cracks in that part. And then the other side of it that is interesting that was was brought up in an article is how – because of how that early signing day, now you know, player or coaches are getting hired and fired earlier than ever because you have to bring someone in early to save the recruiting class because you're signing these kids by December. So there is a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to that. There. 
there's a lot to that. And I, I think that the point you made uh, about the high school recruiting, that's that's a conversation I've had with some high school coaches as well, is the fact that it's just it's tough on their kids to get looks because, like you said, they don't know if they're going to have a spot for them, so they're kind of holding out on giving them that opportunity. And to me, that's just kind of unfair for the high school kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the that's what I'm wondering. How do you – and what would you say – how do you reshuffle the calendar a little bit? I mean, I – I mean, I'm honestly wondering if you you move the signing day back again. To, to yeah, February. I think I think I think you at least got to think about that. I mean, well, because I mean, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say if you did the transfer portal window in December and you ended it in early January, that way the coaches know who they've got coming in, and now you kind of know your numbers before the February signing day. And that way it's all kind of finalized by that point. And then if you have a few that can enroll early, great. But, you know, that was kind of one of the things that why these coaches wanted that early signing was because they didn't want anybody to take off during Christmas and and go to another school. But I just, you know, it's so hard on the coaches and there's so much to balance. I, I don't know how you – you've got to find a way, I think, to split them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I think you got to split – definitely you can't have all of it together. Uh, but how there's going to be arguments of whether or not uh, it's, you know, people like, there's going to be some people that like it. If they, if they start changing it, there's going to be some people that don't. So it's going to be really hard to, to unravel all that. Good, good thing. I don't have to do it. No, I know it. Uh, have you talked to Luke? Do we know if he's coming back? I don't believe he, I don't guess he is. He, okay. I've not heard from him. All right. Well, we're going to try to talk to him about the 12 team playoff, but if, if he he's does, not gonna... if he comes back, if he comes back in the stock market, then we'll just. We'll All right. <laughs> a couple other quick things to mention before we, uh, we move on to the stock market, a Georgia football player and a recruiting analyst tragically killed over the weekend in a car accident. So thoughts and prayers up to both families there and big 10 commissioner, Kevin Warren is leaving the big 10 is going to become the new CEO of the bears. Wow. Kind of an interesting move for Kevin Warren there. But let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show on the other side with the stock markets, the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws. Sign ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing Wednesday with 50 cent wings karaoke on thursday and each and every weekend live music so be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the hawk's nest at 105 church street in martin final segment of the show today on the tri-state sports program presented by the hawk's nest and jerry ward autoplex it is time for the stock market buying or selling various stocks and propositions agreeing or disagreeing with them let's start in the nfl the winner of Bills Bengals does not matter. The winner will lose to Kansas City because they both struggle with second and third string quarterbacks, Skylar Thompson and uh, well, Huntley, uh, Tyler Huntley for Tampa Bay and not Tampa, Miami and Baltimore. Buy or sell? I'm gonna buy that the winner will lose to Kansas City. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I just. Right now, I'm too scared to lean on either one of them. The way they, I was not impressed with either one of them on, on over the weekend. Um, I just think Kansas, but now of course Kansas City could come out uh, this weekend and look very sloppy themselves, and that could change the complexion of things. So, uh, will be will be interesting to see. 
Buy or sell, Stetson Bennett can be an NFL team's version of Brock Purdy. Not a shot. You don't think so? No. Uh, I think Stetson will get an opportunity, but I, I don't think he'll – I don't think he'll ever be – not that Purdy's just wrote his name down for the forever in the NFL quarterback history, but I still don't think he's got – I still don't think he's got enough to be even a, a starter in the NFL. I'm not saying starter. I think – and this is why I will buy. I th- When I say Brock Purdy, I think can he come off the bench – and can he game manage and be a go solid six, enough go six, go six and oh, no. I don't know about that good, but I think he could be a good backup and could, could keep people alive and, and be a decent – I think he's going to be on an NFL roster for several years. I do. I, do, I do think he'll get an opportunity, but I don't think he's going to come off and start and go six and oh, take him to the playoffs and everything Brock Purdy's doing. I, I, don't, I don't see it. We will see. Let's move to the NBA. This was one that uh, I kind of read reading up some reading on some NBA stuff this week. The balance of power in the NBA has gone back to the Eastern Conference. You buy or sell? Probably as a whole, yes. I probably buy that. I think I'm going to buy as well, just because. I mean, you look at the favorites in the East: the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics. There's deep playoff experience. Yeah, the Sixers. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and which will lead me to the next one, the Western Conference had a lot of preseason favorites, and they've all disappointed to this point. So, I mean, and you got a lot of – Phoenix is not healthy. When Phoenix is healthy, I still like Phoenix. I still like Memphis. I still like Denver. Um, I think the – who am I forgetting? Those three are are pretty good. Pelicans are up there. Pelicans, yeah, but I – I'm not putting stock in the Pelicans to win it all. I, I think the Nuggets, Suns, Grizzlies out of the West, and then probably the Celtics, 76ers, Nets out of the East. You but know? see, here's the thing that you're talking about. Phoenix is the only team that has major deep playoff run experience. The Nuggets and the Grizzlies, they've not really made a lot of deep runs lately. So. I think the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets are are gonna be the team this year, man. I, I really do. I, I hate to say I want the I want Ja to to win it. But the Nuggets, I, I watched them play the other night. I don't know who they were playing, but their depth is when they're all playing together and they're all healthy, and that's going to be the key. But they have a lot of they got a lot of dudes that can really go. And I know Memphis does too, but I just I don't know. I I, I trust Jokic down the stretch. <clears throat> well, the the issue with Denver lately has been health. Yeah, late in the season, Michael Porter, yeah. Jamal Murray, one of those guys has been hurt a lot lately. Um, if they're all healthy toward the back stretch, then they'll be scary. Yeah. They lose one of those guys, will kind of take some of the luster off of them. The biggest preseason Western Conference favorite disappointment this year has been the Clippers by herself. I would buy that because I think, I mean, obviously Paul George and Kawhi have missed a lot of time, but people expected the Clippers to be really, really good. And I think they have been kind of a disappointment. Well, I would buy too because you would think. You know, we, we didn't have quite all last year. PG was in and out, and, and we thought this was the year that it was all going to come together. They were going to be the elite team we kind of saw flashes of in 2019-20, and it hasn't happened. I think they're sitting sixth in the Western Conference right now. Um, they got plenty to clean up. Final thing we'll get to today, a, a list. The 247 Sports Top Returning Quarterbacks for 2023. I took the top ten. These are the top 10 returning quarterbacks in 2023 in college football. 
Number 10, Dylan Gabriel, by herself, that he belongs in the top 10 from Oklahoma. I'm looking here to see which which guy I got to get rid of because there's – and this is not biased, but Joe Melton's a top 10 quarterback returning. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Let me see if I can find the rest of the list for you and tell you some of the but, other names they had on it. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I would probably – I would Dylan Gabriel and even the, who you got at nine, Jaden Daniels, those two would – I would I would probably move them out to move Milton in. <clears throat> One of them. I would sell on Gabriel um, and take the field because again, these are some of the names who did who are not in the top ten. And I mean, some good names. Uh, now, Joe Milton isn't even on this list, which is kind of interesting. Trash, which is trash. Uh, but some guys who are top kind of fifteen in the twenty range: Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, Grayson McCall, Will Rogers. Cam Rising, K.J. Jefferson, Quinn Ewers, Tanner Mordecai, Devin Leary, Frank Harris. I mean, I just – there's better guys in the field that I would take over Dylan Gabriel because, I mean, Dylan Gabriel played most of the season. They were 6-6, six and six, and it's not like yeah. he's a great difference maker. Yeah. Um, and I guess they're talking about guys that played the majority of the season because Milton didn't. So Yeah. Yeah. Jaden Daniels, number nine, by herself. I'd probably sell him too. Take him out of the top ten? Yeah. Yep. I Who think Cam Rising should be in there, too. I think Cam Rising has an argument. I think K.J. Jefferson has an argument. Grayson McCall you can make an argument for. I do think – I would say I still keep Jaden Daniels in the top ten, but I think no higher than nine. Yeah. Um, Number eight, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan. He should be in the top ten. Yeah. So I'll buy it. Yes, I agree. I, I think you have to – I mean – now we're we're talking what I mean. He played a lot in his freshman year, full year under his belt as the starter, got him to the playoff. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance that they get back next year too. And yes. they've got a lot of talent returning. Yes, number seven, Michael Pratt from Tulane. I don't know enough about him to be honest with you. I mean, obviously I know what he did in the New Year's Six Bowl, but that's it. I'll sell, and I would probably move him closer to the nine ten range with Jaden Daniels. I think you could you could say he's in the top ten. I. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's just there's some of these guys outside the field that I think had a better, you know, had a better argument to be in it. But uh, let's go to number six, Sam Hartman, who is moving on to Notre Dame. I would buy him, but I may move him down a little bit because we just haven't seen how he's played at Notre Dame yet. But I do think he's a top ten quarterback. I'd probably have him at seven or eight. Yeah, I I agree. I'll buy, keep him in the top ten, right in this same little range here. Number four or number five. Uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State. I, I do, I do think he's, I do think he's going to be a good, you know, good quarterback next year. I think we have a good season, but I, I would even consider moving him down just a little bit as well. I think five's a good spot for him. It kind of yeah. leaves you room for him to move up, and it leaves room to move him down. Um, I, I definitely think he's probably better. I mean, he's better than I think he's better than Hartman in that system. I think he's probably about. I think he's better than McCarthy. I definitely take him over Daniels. Definitely take him over Gabriel. So I, I'll keep him right there. Then we're going to get to the top four, and there are three Pac-12 quarterbacks in the top four, which is very interesting. Bo Nix at number four from Oregon by herself. Uh, let's see who's above and below him. I would probably – I would argue that Hartman and maybe even McCart- McCarthy would be ahead of Bo Nix. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think this is high. I think it's yeah, I really think it's high for Bo Nicks. I think this is high for sure. I'll sell on that. Number three, Michael Penix from Washington. 
He had a really good year. He did. He's um, really good. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna sell three, but I'm gonna buy a top ten. I'm just. I, I got to figure out my order here. It's. I'm gonna buy a top five. I'm gonna buy a top five. I'll buy a top five for him. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think three is a safe little spot for him. I, I'll keep him there. Number two, Drake May. Rightfully so. I mean, I yes. think that's probably about right. Two or three. Yes. And, and number one is Caleb Williams. And I, I think you can't argue me, that they won the highest. I was gonna say. I think one and two. You can't really – I don't think there's any wiggle room. I think no. May and Williams are the best returning guys in the country. After that, uh, I mean, I think it can be – you know, we can finagle it. But, I mean – I, I understand that Milton didn't play much, but I still think he should be, be in the top – on that 25. He should be in the top 25. Yeah, very strange. Be, you can't, I mean, how can you tell me he's not going to be a top 25 college football quarterback next year? There's no way he's not. And that offense, he's got to be. Some of these other guys that are on here that I have, I mean, I, I mean, Tanner Mordecai transferred to Wisconsin. He's going to, I mean, he's from yes, SMU. Western Kentucky's quarterback, Austin Reed, is on this list. Spencer Sanders, who hasn't even committed anywhere in the portal, is on this list. Curtis Rourke from Ohio, I don't even know who that is, is on the list. Shadur Sanders, who we haven't seen play FBS football, is on the list. Will Howard from Kansas State and Jackson Dart round out the list. I mean, I, I definitely think. You can make an argument for Joe Milton between twenty and ten, um, and with the ceiling to go higher for sure. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. You can listen in and watch tonight. Jordan and I are on the call at down at South Gibson. Union City takes on South Gibson tonight in a doubleheader on the road on air at five forty-five with tip-off coming at six o'clock. So be sure to tune in for that. That's going to do it for our show today. The Tri-State Sports Program presented by Jerry Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. For myself, John Thornton. For Jordan Taylor. Thanks to Luke Brown, operations manager from our Jackson Markets, our sister stations in Jackson, for joining us. And good morning and God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Warnado Play.